Um, very good. Um, I, I never get such great introductions. Great. Um, if I were to do this, would you know what I was talking about? No. You don't know what I was talking about. Okay. Yeah, what is this? My hands are crossed over that over there. So what is that? Yaakov, keep going. Yosef, keep going. Okay, good. Very good. Okay, good. Uh, we can go now. Okay. Um, well, I want to talk about that whole scene because that scene is a prominent scene in this week's parsha, and it's very weird. Now, one thing about reading Parsha Shavuot, taking a look at you have the handout in front of you. One thing about reading or listening to Parshat HaShavuah is often we first encounter it when the Baal Kriya is reading and somebody got an aliyah, Shabbat morning, and we don't really have time to think about what's going on. We're just trying to follow the story. So we're going to take a little time now in advance, a couple days in advance, to think about what's going on. Look at the story, and you're going to find a lot of weirdnesses here. Background. Where is this story taking place? Take a look. You've got a whole chapter, Breshit Memchet, right in front of you. Where is this story taking place? Geography. What country? Egypt. What? Egypt. It's taking place in Egypt, correct. Yaakov, who's in this scene? How many people are in this scene? Three. How many people are in this scene? Four. Four. Who are the four? Yeah. Yaakov, Yosef, Ephraim and Asher. Good, Ephraim and Asher and Ephraim. I'm glad you said it that way and I'll switch it. Good. Ephraim and Asher. Good. All right. Those are the four who are there. Let's follow the story through. Just going to read it. That's all we're going to do is read it and ask questions along the way. You got questions? Throw them out. Don't raise your hand. Just yell them out. Which means? After these words. Now, by the way, what you always have to do when you see a phrase like that? Look at the previous words to see what's the connection. <laughs> I didn't let you see it. So I'm going to have to tell you. In the previous piece, we heard that Yaakov called Yosef to his, to his bedside and said, I want you to take an oath that you will not bury me here in San Diego. Sorry, here in Egypt. Rather, back in Quran, back in Hebron. Okay. Now, after those words, what happens? By Yomer Yosef. What's wrong with that, that phrase? Vayomer le Yosef. Look at it. He said to Yosef. What? He said to Yosef. Yeah, who said to Yosef? Who said to Yosef? Who said to Yosef? I don't know. Somebody said to Yosef. Kind of mystery. So remember, we said there's four people in the scene. There's some ghost characters here. In LA, we call them extras. Right? Extras. Vayomer le Yosef. Hine avicha cholet. What's the word to Yosef? Behold, your father is sick. Okay. When uh, your father is 147, I don't know how many of you guys have fathers who are 147. Right? My kids think that I'm 147. Anyhow, um, you, if you have a father who's 147 and then you're told he's sick, this is not a good thing. This probably means 148. Probably not, don't get that many candles ready. What does Yosef do? He takes his two sons. Now, who are his two sons? Did we already meet them? Yeah, well, you didn't. I did. And you probably did also. When, yeah, when Yosef marries Asenat, and they have two kids, and their names are Ephraim and Asha. We met them, Ephraim and Asha. We already know them. So if we already know them, this pasuk is a little bit strange. What's weird about this pasuk? What's extra here? What's unnecessary? Their names. We already know. Either say takes Menashe and Ephraim, or say takes his sons. We don't need both. 
I went to speak at the high school, at the Yeshiva High School in San Diego. I spoke at Sky High. There's some extra there. Say one or the other. Okay. Vayagev Yaakov. By the way, is there another Yeshiva High School in San Diego? No. Okay. Yeah. There is? Ooh, I just started Bruja. What do you think Okay. If there is, if there is, then you understand why I had to say it. Because I had to tell you which one I went to. But if there isn't, there's no need to repeat it. We know Yosef only has two kids. So this. Oh, we thought maybe he has more kids. Please prove to me from the Pasuk that he doesn't have more kids. What does it say? Look at it. Shnei Vanav. What does Shnei Vanav mean? His two sons, which tells you? They have girls, but it's not his sons. You are aware of the difference. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. Okay. Um, Vayagev Yaakov, and again, what's the problem? Vayagev Yaakov. He told Yaakov. Who's he? Same problem. So we got all sorts of chatterers here that aren't mentioned. Vayagev Yaakov. Vayomer hinevin chayosef ba'elecha. What does this unnamed person, this anonymous, mysterious person say? Now, again, what problem do we have? Please tell me, what word could I cut out from that and I would still have all the same meaning? Is there some other Yosef hanging around? Joey, your son is coming. Sorry, Joey, your son is coming. You don't have to say your son. There seems to be a lot of extra lay on here. Now, why am I bothered by extra lay on? What is the general rule of the Torah? The Torah is economic with its words. Very stingy with its words. Uses extra words. It's, there's something else going on. Let's see if we can discover it. By the way, what else did you notice right away? Kind of strange. And that phrase, Vayitchazek Yisrael Vayeshev Alamita, without me translating it, what do you notice strange? So what, what? Okay, so he's lying on his bed, and then when he hears it, he, he, he gives himself energy and he sits up. Who sits up? Yisrael. Thank you. So we're switching back and forth. Yaakov, Yisrael, who the heck are you? And by the way, nobody that I have seen has been able to present a cogent a coherent, a reasonable explanation for when we call him Yaakov, when we call him Israel. It just, there's no rhyme or reason. But the names switch here. Yaakov hears that Yosef's coming and Yisrael suddenly sits up. It's almost like there's another guy there. Yeah. You would think so. And everybody who's thrown up a theory like that and said it's been this or this, it all gets shot down. Right? I'd much rather say I don't know than to present something that's, you know, Try to slip a pasture. We don't know. If somebody, if, you, if any of you guys have a theory about it, I'd love to hear it. Yaakov El Yosef. Here we go. El Shaddai Nirai Lai Baluz Beretz Kanan. Now, what's the first thing? Yaakov is on his deathbed. And Yosef comes to him. First of all, Yosef comes to him, and what does, who does Yosef bring with him? Which is a little bit odd. Who's, who told you to bring your sons? We'll, we'll talk about that. But what's the first thing? What would, what's, what would you expect the first thing Yaakov should say to his favorite son, Yosef, when he is now on his deathbed, he's about to die? What would you expect him to say? Uh, what? Uh, Hello. No. Oh. 
come here, let me give you a bracha. Yeah. They, I, 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 I feel bad about you know, all the years we weren't together. Something. Instead, what's the first thing he says? El Shaddai Nira Eli Beluz, Be'eretz Kanan. Hashem appeared to me in Luz. Luz is another name, it's the original name of Betel. Vayivarech Oti. And he blessed me, which is just so weird. Why is that the first thing you're saying to Yosef? And watch, everything he says goes like this. There doesn't seem to be a chain of, of reason in what he says. What did, what did God say to me? Oh, let's look at these words carefully because they're in red. They must be important. I am going to do what? What did God promise me he's going to do with me? Is another form of the two words that Hashem said to Adam when he created him. What was the Adam's, Hashem's command to Adam when he created him? What does that mean? Be fruitful and multiply. I have a lot of kids. I'm going to make you fruitful and multiply you. I'm going to turn you into a kahal amim. What are amim? Nations. Maybe. They might mean something else. What's a kahal? What's a congregation of nations? Please don't say UN. What's a congregation of nations? What's a congregation? What? Good. Why are you a congregation? Why? Because gather, gather together for what? Good. Give you the other. By the way, the Greek word here, the Greek translation here is synagoga. That's where the word comes from, right? Congregation, gathering together. A gathering together of nations. It's kind of a weird thing. And why is he telling Yosef that? And why now? What else did God tell me there? I'm going to turn you into a community of nations or a community of Amim and I'm going to give you and your kids this land. Okay, obviously not Egypt, the land where he told me that. Now, what's the next word? What's the first word in Pasuke? Ve'ata. What does Ve'ata mean? Well, then I am. And now, what does ve'ata always signal? Whenever you're talking, and in the middle of talking, you say, and now, what are you shifting from, and what are you shifting to? What? Past the present. Keep going. Excellent. Keep going. What else? What you're going to do. And what's the part before? What you did. And so, therefore, what's the connector? What? Okay, I want you to think a little bit in, in the following terms. Uh, let me give you an example. God took us out of Mitzrayim. God did all these great things for me. Moshe says, and now all God wants of you is this. Cause and effect. Reason and result. But now, what's the connection? God blessed me and told me, I'm going to turn you into a kahalamim and give you this land. And now, so we expect now to hear something that results from that. What, and, what does he, and what does he turn out to, to turn to do, which is now really not connected? It is a, does anybody know what comes after the word non? 
Sequitur, very good, very good. Okay, that's a non sequitur joke. All right, now, Viata, Shneva Necha, Noladim Lecha, Be'eret Mitzrayim, Advoi Lecha, Mitzrayim Alihem. Yaakov turns to Yosef and says, Shneva Necha, your two sons, Hanoladim Lecha, Be'eret Mitzrayim, who were born where? Before I got here. Lehem. They are now mine. I'm taking them. Ephraim u'menasheh kiruvein v'shimon yuli. What does that mean? Ephraim u'menasheh, now like Ephraim u'menasheh, which means, by the way, how many sons do I now have? 14 or 13. Why would I say 14? Because Reuven, menasheh, Ephraim, 14. Or I could say 13 because I might skip whom? Yosef, I might say, instead of Yosef, I now have two. All right, this but either way, Menashe and Ephraim get promoted. Well, in, in the world of flying, we call it upgrade. They got upgraded to sons from grandsons, which is a pretty weird thing. And by the way, it's impossible. You cannot turn a grandson into a son. But Yaakov does it anyways. And he says, Menashe and Ephraim are now my sons. Why? What kind of weird thing is that? I want my grandsons to be my sons. And then he says, Any kids who are born after that, they're yours. They'll be either called Menashe or Ephraim. They'll belong to those families. I'm splitting you into two, Yosef. You're now Menashe and Ephraim. Now the conventional explanation of what Yaakov is doing here is he is turning Yosef into the Bechor. How many portions does a Bechor get in inheritance? Double. So I'm going to turn Yosef into a Bechor by giving him a double portion. Now, Manasseh has a portion, Ephraim has a portion. Beautiful. Except I don't have to turn Manasseh and Ephraim to my sons to do that. Plus, what does this have to do with anything that was said before? And then it continues to get weird. Shall we say... It gets weirder. Vani bevoimi padan, and by the way, on my way back from Lavan, from Padan, Padan is the, up in Syria. Meta alai Rachel, your mom Rachel died suddenly. Be'eretz kenan baderach baod kivrat eretz lavayfrata. On the way towards Beit Lachem, towards Efrat, perhaps she died. Vekbarasham baderach Efrati Beit Lachem, and I buried her there. And that, of course, is Kever Rachel. And where is Kever Rachel? Not so clear. But I buried her there on the road, Kever Rachel. Do you understand what I mean by zigzag? This conversation is going like, like this. All over the place. And now it gets even weirder. Yaakov sees the two boys, and who he just blessed. He just adopted, right, by name. Menashe and Ephraim. He looks at them and he says, By who, who are these guys? Sounds kind of weird. He is just adopted by name, Menashe and Ephraim, you two guys are my sons. And then he turns around and says, By the way, Yosef, who are these guys? Strange. And what does Yosef answer with equanimity? They're my sons that God gave me here in this country. <clears throat> Okay, bring him here. I want to give him a bracha. Now, let's just step back a second and be real about this. 
You can never, there's a parenthesis, but important parenthesis. You can never understand Tanakh unless you understand the world of Tanakh. And that means, first of all, you got to go into the story and be in the story. You got to be real. You got to look around and see the story. By the way, it's true about Gemara, it's true about Shakespeare, it's true about Rousseau. You can never understand anything unless you put yourself into that time period, into that context, see what's going on. How much more so, Torah? Be in the story. Let's ask the question, how old is Yaakov at this point? He's about to die. 147, very good. Is 147 spring chicken, middle-aged, or really old? Really old, thank you, okay. In the meantime, how old are Menashe and Ephraim at this time? So let's do a little math. Let's do a little math. When were Menashe and Ephraim born? During the time Yosef was in prison? During the time that Yosef had come to Paro and there were now seven good years? During the seven bad years or later? Anybody? Beterem tavosh nataraav. Asanat gave Yosef two sons before the famine started, which means they were born during the first seven years, right? Now, how old was Yaakov when he came down to Egypt? Remember, Paro said, hey, how old are you? He was 130. 130. Yaakov was 130 when he came down. Which means how many years ago did he come down to Egypt? 17. Very good. We're holding the math. Excellent. Okay. He's 17 years ago he came down to Egypt. Manasseh and Ephraim already were born. And so Manasseh and Ephraim at that point were at least, at least two years old because the famine was already two years in. So let's be real conservative and we'll say they're 20. They're probably older, but let's say they're 20. Manasseh and Ephraim are around 20, 20, 21, 19, like that. I want you to picture two guys around 20 or 19 and a, a guy 147. I can't even picture 147. Huh? I can't even picture 147. Good. So take, however, what's the oldest you can picture? Um, 95? Can you picture 95? Yeah. Give me a 95. Good. Just keep it at 95. That's going to be fine. Okay? Whatever you got at 95, it'll be fine. I got a 95-year-old guy, and I got a couple guys who are young adults, okay? Now, watch what happens here, and you'll see how bizarre it is. Yaakov is old, he can't see. His eyes are bad. He brings the boys close, he kisses them, he hugs them. And, um, and uh, which reminds us of what scene, by the way? He, he brings somebody close to give him a bracha, he gives him a hug and a kiss. Who is it? It's like Esav Yaakov, that whole scene. Very good. Okay. Okay. So he says, I thought I wasn't going to see you because I thought you were dead. In the meantime, I even get to see your kids. Right? Yaakov thought Yosef was dead all those years. It's a strange thing for him to be saying all these years later. But anyhow, And now we find out where are these two 20-year-old guys standing, sitting? What are Birkayim? 
your knees. They're sitting on the knees of a 147-year-old guy. You have a little problem with that? Take your 95-year-old guy. 95-year-old guy has a couple of 20-year-olds sitting on his knees. That makes sense to you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, no. Thank you. Okay, good. I was waiting for the right answer. That's crazy. Okay? It's, it's really nuts. Okay? So we got a lot of weird zigzags going on in this story. All right. Now the famous scene. Yosef brings them away, bows down, and then and Yosef brings the boys close again. Wait a second. You just pulled them away. Why do you bring them close again? And now he brings them close, and I want you to be the mirror. Do the mirror thing. Yosef puts the older son on what side of him? Left, because... If I'm facing you, my left is your right. Put out your hand. Put out your hand. Okay, which hand is that? That's my right. It's your right. My left is your right. So I want you to put your right hand on this kid. I'm going to put it in my left hand, right? Got it? Yeah. Okay. Good. You could do this and you could really bust the whole room. It's great. Okay? So he puts Menashe over here and Ephraim over here to bring the Yaakov. So Yaakov will go like this because he wants Yaakov's right hand to be on Menashe's head. All right. Why? We're going to we actually look at that. All right? So he brings them away, then he brings them back. This is weird. And Yaakov famously does what? How do we start the shear? Show with your hands. What do you do? Right? Okay? And so now, my right hand is going on the guy on your right. And my left hand is going on the guy on your left. In other words, I'm putting my right hand on the guy you wanted me to put my left hand on. That's the, that's the scene. Okay, and now what does he say? <clears throat> Who does Yaakov bless now? Not Menashe Ephraim. Who does he bless? Yosef. And he says, The God whom my ancestors worshipped. He has been with me since I was born. Don't go to sleep. Hamalach ha-goel otimi kol ra'in. Don't start singing, please. Yivarech ha-tanearim. What does he ask? He says, I want the malach who has redeemed me from all bad to do what? Yivarech ha-tanearim. To do what? Bless the boys. V'yikarev v'hem shmi v'shem avotav ramitzchak. I want them to be known by my name and my father's and my grandfather's name. I want them to be known as the children of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. All right, that's what he's saying. And they should multiply throughout the land. Now, Yosef saw this hand switch. He didn't like it. He takes his father's hand, and what does he do? He wants to move it. What does Yosef say to his father? Ah, dad, wrong. He points to Menashe and says, This one's the Bechor. Put your right hand on his head. Do you know of any other place where being a Bechor got you a special bracha? Yes. What? What's the scene? No. A man with fur on his hand. Who am I? What's my name, by the way? What's my name? Yitzchak. Who are you? 
Well, he sounds like Yaakov, feels like Esau. Okay, you know the scene. All right, and again, hugging and kissing, and again, the Bechor gets the bracha. Yosef says, he's the Bechor. Put your right hand. I want the real bracha to be on him. For some reason, the right hand's the real bracha. I don't know why. Yaakov says, hey, Joey, I get it. I'm not thief. And I'm not out of my mind. I just can't see very well. But I know who the Bechor is. And I know that. Don't worry, Menashe is going to be fine. But his younger brother is going to be greater than he is. So what? He's still not the Bechor. And what's the big bracha of Ephraim? His seed is going to fill the nations. Is that a good thing? Sounds like a lot of assimilation to me. What does that mean? So, what? At the beginning, it says you can be a... Ooh, very good. Shkoyach. Very good. We're going to come back to that. Now, Yaakov blesses the boys. Before he blesses Joseph. Now he blesses the boys. What's his blessing for the boys? You're going to now see the oldest continuous Jewish custom in history. The oldest minhag we have in history in front of your eyes. How many of you at home, Friday night, get a bracha from parents? I'm a giver in our house. Right. Here it is. It starts right here in Breshit. Okay. You know how Jewish people are going to bless their kids? What are they going to say to them? Yisimcha Elohim ke'efrayim v'chim nasheh. I want you to understand how mind-boggling this is. What's your name? Jordan. I want you to picture if suddenly someone were to say that from now on everybody's going to say to the kids, oh, I hope that you grow up to be like Jordan. What is that to you? That is like, wow! Now, Yaakov, yeah, Yaakov says, I'm going to bless you that everybody's always going to say God should make you like Ephraim Menashe. That means Ephraim Menashe are top of the world. This is what I tell my kids. Somewhere between Thursday night and Friday afternoon when I get them on the phone in Israel, New York, wherever they are, so my daughter, we got a different thing. Right? Alive in our house every Friday night. Every Friday. Wow. What a bracha. By the way, who, who did he put first in the bracha? Ephraim. The younger. Okay. And by the way, we have zigged and zagged. We're going to put us all together right now. Because that's to make sense. What I've done over the past, let's call it uh, about uh, half an hour, is to lay out all the roadblocks. Lay out all the difficulties we have in this, but I'm not going to walk away without trying to make it make sense. I don't want you guys to lose sleep tonight. And now ya- ya- Yaakov turns to, to Yosef and says, I'm about to die. And God's going to take you back to your land. Again, a zig, a zag, and a, we don't know where this is coming from. And I gave you one Shechem. That either means the city of Shechem or a portion. I gave you an extra portion over your brothers. That I myself conquered from the Canaanim with my weapons, my sword and my bow. Did Yaakov ever fight with weapons that we heard of? 
Did he ever conquer land in Israel with weapons? What happened when his sons conquered land in Israel with weapons? How did he react? He got mad. He got very mad, and in the next parak, he's going to throw those two sons almost out of the family. It's just a very weird thing for Yaakov to say. What is motivating this entire scene? Question one, adopting two grandsons as sons. Question two, insisting that Ephraim is more important because he's going to be greater and his seed are going to fill the nations. What does that mean? What is the connection between what God blessed him and lose and adopting the kids and then at the end saying, and God will take you back to the land and I took it with my sword and bow? What, what is going So I can list all the questions. We've already gone through them. Let's, talk, let's try to get, figure out some answers. Please turn the page a second. Yaakov stole the bracha. You all know that, right? What did Yaakov have to do after he stole the bracha to save his life? He had to run away. Who did he run away to? Levan. And he's in Levan's house for X amount of years. Maybe, but in Tanakh, no. Right? He runs away to Levan. He's in Levan's house for X amount of years, however long it is. He comes back. Now, before he left, on the way out, the first night, evidently the first night, he camped out outside of a city called Luz. He didn't go in because he didn't want to be a loser. So he camped out outside. And he had a vision. You know the vision he had? Right? And Hashem promised him what Hashem promised him. And he woke up the next morning and he took the rock that he'd slept on and he raised it up as a matzeva and he said, I'm making commitment that when God brings me back to the land, I'm going to make a mikdash here. I'm going to make this a Beit Elohim. All those years later, after going to Lavan and working for seven years for Rachel, oops, Leah, and then Rachel, and then seven more years, and then Yosef, and then six more years, and all of that stuff, and finally hightailing it out when Lavan's not looking. And coming back, and, getting, and then Levan catches up with him and all of those problems. And then Asav's coming in, oh my gosh, in the middle of the night he has a WWF. WWE. And then Shechem. And what happens in Shechem? Finally, he starts moving south back towards Hebron and he stops in Betel to fulfill that commitment and Hashem appears to him in Betel and gives him a bracha. Let's see what he says. By Elohim al Yaakov, God appeared to him twice in Betel here. The first thing God says to him is, your name is Yaakov. Uh-uh, not exactly. You're not, no longer going to be called, I'm going to add something in here, only Yaakov. You will also be known as Israel. That comes obvious because God himself calls him Yaakov after this. By Kratchmo Yisrael, I'm naming you Yisrael. Basically, he has a middle name, Yaakov Yisrael, Yisrael Yaakov. By Elohim, Ani El Shaddai. Did you remember that from the first page? He said, El Shaddai Nirai Eli Beluz that special name of God that only shows up really in Breshit Yeshayahu and Eo, and once in Bamidbar. Very rare name of God, but that's the name that's used here, and that's the one Yaakov mentions. Pray or ve. What is pray or ve? Be fruitful, multiply. Goy ukahal goyim hiyem You will have a what? A goy 
Meaning? Nation. Ukahal goyim. What's a kahal goyim? Congregation of nations. Yemimeka is going to be from you. By the way, how many sons does Yaakov have at this point in time? You ready? Eleven. Who's the only one not born yet? Benjamin. And God says you're going to have kings come from you. By the way, who's the first king in Israel? What's his name? Shaul. What shepherd is he from? Benjamin. Okay, here we go. And then he says, Talk about your own secular. God says, I'm going to turn you into a, king, a community of nations, you're going to have kings from you, and I'm giving you the land. What do the two have to do with each other? So I'd like to suggest that Yaakov listens very carefully to this nevuah and makes the following calculation. God is not promising me two separate things. He's promising one thing, which is you are going to be the sovereign in this land. I'm giving you the land as a holding. It'll be yours. Not to visit it, not to hang around it, not to leech off it, but to own it, to be in charge. And what am I going to give you in order to be able to do that? At Kahal Goyim. What does that mean? So Yaakov rereads it to Yosef as Kahal Amim. Let's talk about the word Am for a second. What does the word Am, Ayin Mem, mean? Nation. We all know it means nation, except that in Tanakh it usually means something else. It usually means army. Who's the first person to ever call us an Am? The answer is Paro. Paro, we're going to hear it next week, says to his people, Hine am b'nei Yisrael, rav menu. Which simply means the army of these people is greater than ours. They're bigger, they're mightier than we are. We better do something about it. The whole concern there is a military concern. Read the pasuk. Parakal, pasuk yod. That's his concern. And am almost always in the early part of Tanakh means, means the army. That's what Yaakov translates this to. So what does he say? Hashem has told me that I have to have a kahal goyim, a congregation of armies, in order to be able to conquer the land. What, is a, what would you call a congregation of armies? We have such a thing, although it's not very effective today. What? The UN's not armies. What? NATO, yeah, NATO. What's NATO. It is an agreement between a bunch of nations to each provide a certain amount of soldiers for things they agree to do. It's a treaty organization, no North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Yaakov is told you have, you're going to have a kal goyim, meaning you're going to have a gathering of nations that are going to work together to conquer the land. Okay. So Yaakov takes a look at it and says, how many nations do I have among my children? What's the answer? You could say 12. Give me a, give me a, a smaller number. <laughs> okay. I'm going I'm to, except I want a congregation of nations, a community of nations. I'm going to give you another number. Why four? Good. So now I'm going to change the four to two. Please tell me why the two. Technically, there's coordinates of Rachel and Right. 
And by the way, realistically, sorry to say this, it's politically, politically very incorrect. But realistically speaking, are Don, Naftali, God, and Asher treated equally with the other brothers? They're not. They're not. They're B'nai Ashfachot. So how many households are there in Yaakov's family? Who are they? Leah and Rachel. So the, so the other four are going to be like spear carriers, right? They'll be assistants. Let's think about it. By the time that Yaakov gets to his deathbed, to this scene, what, what, about Le- what has Le- have Leah's kids done to prove their worth or their lack of worth as leaders? Let's start from the top. How about Reuven? What has Reuven done from the time he was born until now that maids tell us he should be a leader or shouldn't be a leader? Tried to, didn't do a good job of it. Yeah. Tried to get Binyamin down in Egypt, that didn't work either. Tried a bunch of things, didn't work. What's the big thing he did that might tell us something? Yeah. Whatever happened with Bilhah, however we read it, it was not good. He almost got thrown out of the family as a result. And what do we find out in the very next Parsha when Yaakov calls his sons together, which we're going to learn about tonight? What does Yaakov say to Ruvain? You're fired. You're fired. You blew it. Okay, uh, who else is in Leah's family besides Reuven? Uh, Shimon. Shimon and Levi. I'm going to say them together because what happens to Shimon and Levi? Uh, why? Shem? Okay. So Reuven and Shimon and Levi are out. How many are left? Leah's. Yehuda? There we go. Three. Perfect. I got three members of Leah's family who could be leaders. Very good. How many do I have in Rachel's family? Yosef Minyamin. But God told me I have to have a Kal Goyim, so I have to have parity. So what does he do? He splits Yosef into. Please turn around and look at the map on the back page. What's that a map of? That's the map of the Jewish encampment in the desert. Please tell me who's on the right side, which is east. Who's on the opposite side on the west? That's your camp. That's your Shnei Goyim. That's your Kal Goyim. And who are the guys on the side, top and bottom? That's the support staff. That's the support staff. Bill and Zilpah and Reuben and, Reuben and Shimon, right? Correct. That's support staff. Do you understand now what Yaakov's doing? Yaakov comes and the first thing he says to Yosef is, God told me kahal amin, so I'm adopting the Nashon Ephraim. I'm enlarging you into two people so that I can create a balanced army between the two households. And everything else that, you, that flows through here, it's not nearly as romantic and poetic. It's, a, it's military strategy. It is exactly how it plays out. One little midrash to add in at the end. Chazal tell us, you know that at the end of this week's parasha, Yaakov actually dies, and I mean, this is a deathbed, he actually dies, and there's the funeral cortege that marches him back to Israel. Chazal say that the funeral cortege, they march like this. Yehuda in front, Yisachar in Zvulun, Ephraim, Menashe, and Benjamin in the back, right, like that. In other words, they marched like this. This is a model of their marching in the desert. Ya- Yaakov is setting up the conquest of the land. So what does he say at the end? I'm giving you a portion that I took with my bow and my sword. Yaakov never fought with a bow and a sword, but what's he hinting to Yosef? You're going to have to go in and conquer the land militarily. 
And I'm setting you up, I'm setting the family up with two powerful armies that will work together because they'll balance each other. And the whole next parak is exactly establishing that, which is the share I'm going to give this evening. Okay. Thank you.